Hello? Rob Grimm! Guess what? I just got off the plane in Oakland. California? No, New Zealand, Rob. Try and keep up. Uh, no, I think you mean Auckland. Rob, I think I know where I'm at. Anyway, there is a lot more sheep in California than I expected. Gary, why are you calling me? Rob, guess what? I met this lady who's going to knit us a bunch of sweaters with our logo on them. We're going to give them away on Black Friday. Wait, I thought we were going with the super secret plan for Black Friday. The one everyone's been asking for. Well, yeah, Rob, we're definitely doing that. But this, this is going to be a bonus gift. Logo patches, Rob Grimm. Patches and sweaters. And mittens! Why not? Wait, mittens? (laughs) Welcome to the RGG EDU Podcast. Where Rob and Gary talk and drink with your favorite photographers. Saddle up, mofos. In this episode, we're joined with Catherine Hall, who is the queen of turning subtle interactions into timeless narratives. <laughs> oh, is that so? I read, I read <laughs> your bio. <laughs> I read your bio. And alongside Rob Grimm, I'm Gary Martin. Catherine, I know you're on your way to the airport. We only have you for a mini podcast. Yeah, mini cast. So we're gonna go through. We're gonna go through this quickly. All right. Let's let's start out in the early days. How did you get into the industry? Um, I used to work for Steve McCurry. He's the photographer to the Afghan girl, with the really green eyes. Yeah. Um, that was sort of my, I guess, entrance. I did an internship for him, and then from there, I worked for Getty Images in New York, and um, the rest just took off from there. But um, I would say that just kind of any in-the-door experience, for me it was Steve, was a great way of sort of introducing myself to the It's industry. a pretty good in, too, Steve. Yeah. Well, you know, this is, I think I talked about this in my class today. I think the reason where I am today is I'm um, just not being scared and taking risks. So Steve McCurry was my favorite photographer, and I said I want to work for him, and it was surprisingly easy. And I think a lot of people would have dismissed it as not a possibility uh, without trying. And um, I called, and they gave me an internship. And it wasn't because I was special. It was just who wants free labor, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I called. It was that easy. And and so um, just not turning down opportunities before you even give them a chance to be creative. So for our audience members who don't know you, who are you? Define yourself as a photographer. What do you do? What do you do? Um, I'm wedding and portrait specialist. Um, I've been speaking now for, gosh, 12 years, um, so educator as well, but um, primarily focusing on weddings and photographing people. That's what mm-hmm. I do. I photograph people. And you have more covers than Brad Pitt. I've seen. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that's honestly goes back to what we were just talking about, um, just entering. I entered a lot of contests, and a lot of the press that I've gotten has just simply from putting my work out there through competitions, contests. Um, WBI has, obviously, their 16 by 20 competition, and there's tons of competitions out there. Um, I, I, I see a common denominator in our audience that have a negative viewpoint of contests, thinking they're kind of bullshit, and it's just a way for them to make money because there's an entry fee. Sounds like you have a completely different experience and have had quite a bit of success yeah. from that. I do believe, obviously... It can be frustrating because it's it's expensive. So you have to be selective. Um, one of the things I would suggest is, for me, contests and getting published and press has been a huge part of what's propelled my career forward. So I definitely think it's worth it. But just to be smart about it. And one recommendation I would have is, if you are entering a contest, 
because there might be an entry fee that is expensive oftentimes, um, just get help. Don't just enter your favorite image because oftentimes what we believe is our best work is actually not universally the most like work that we have. So anytime I would enter in, enter contest, same thing with WPBI, this year I entered three prints. I sent out my favorite 10 to like four different people and I only entered the ones that every single one of the four liked, which ended up being three images. So just being a little bit more conscious and getting outside input yeah. has helped me a lot. What's your average week look like? What are you doing from week to week? Do you have one? I have a pretty great life. I really do. Um, I have a 16-month-year-old daughter. Um, I've worked really hard, but and I've learned not through hard work. I've learned to work smart. <laughs> sure. And um, I only work probably like 30 hours a week, and um, I make a good living. I have a good family. I travel. Um, so an uh, average week to me is retouching, marketing, shooting, a big combination of everything. Um, but I do feel like we create our own realities, and I've been very conscious about um, the life I want to live and making it happen. How do you market yourself as a photographer? What's your... So the press has been a huge part of it. I think that's a huge distinguishing factor is just, you know, um, someone comes onto my website and they see all the press that I've had. It, sets me as part I want to say competition but for my peers if you will mm -hmm. um, and uh, social media but not going down the rabbit hole I feel like you can go down the rabbit hole so if you are doing social media marketing are you really getting a reward from it and not extending yourself beyond that reward or distracted with cucumbers and kittens yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very serious fun. right now <laughs> um, but yeah marketing to me honestly is building relationships and um, working with vendors and um, potential venues and whatnot that can refer me. That's my biggest marketing tactic. I noticed on your website you actually have two websites. Yes. What's, what's with that? That goes back to marketing, I guess. Um, just really wanting to have a clear message so that when clients are looking to hire a photographer, they believe they're hiring a specialist, someone that does what they want the best. So I don't want my websites watered down with extraneous work that might be yeah. pulling from one way or another so I have my wedding site which is very specific to wedding clients and then I have my portrait lifestyle site which is very specific to that type of client what are you more active in or do you have a preference it's 50 50 now oh, nice. um and preference I just love photography I really I don't have a preference as long as I'm shooting people and happy um with that said I only shoot about 10 weddings a year and that feels very good to me if I were doing a ton of weddings I think I would get burned out just because it's so exhausting yeah yeah with the portrait work you seem to have a, a, a real ability to kind of connect with with your subjects do you do you have that same experience with a wedding because you're that's so much more run and gun and kind of documentary although a lot of your stuff you, I can tell you've really taken time to kind of craft the image with that uh, that bride or the groom what kind of sense do you get from that connection that you have with with your subject um, I think the connection is honestly the most important aspect of my work of being a portrait photographer I think um, your work or the the subject if you will is often just a direct mirror of you and your energy so if you're optimistic as a photographer if you're optimistic if you're excited if you're connected then your subject's going to feel that and reflect back and let you in in a way so it's after a wedding I honestly am like in love with the bride 
you know, I feel like it's, I think she's the, the most beautiful yeah. bride I've ever seen. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> problem for the groom. No, but I do believe that she's the most beautiful and I feel connected and I feel I'm so in the moment with her. Right. And she, and you know, when you're with a client and you're like that, that presence, I feel like as a photographer, bringing your presence is one of the greatest gifts you can give. And they just merit, they just kind of become putty in your hands because they're just in that experience with you. It kind of takes me back to Steve because that image that he took is probably the most iconic image of all time in many ways. Um, And I think for everybody, it's the connection with that girl. I mean, those eyes, there's just, everyone who sees that image is utterly drawn in. Yeah. Do you think photographers should assist or would you recommend them assisting in today's climate? You know, I think this is one thing that I think is great with WPPI is you're exposed to so much, but you should only take away the aspects of it that resonate with you 100%. And so this is a perfect example when it comes to assisting. Um, I tried assisting for weddings, and it, it was for the hell was that? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I've been on edge for there's guns a, like ever since yeah. I got here. <laughs> T-Rex. Hopefully anyway. it's a T-Rex. Yeah. yeah. That would make um, me happier, actually. <laughs> I was, I, you just cut me off on my most profound thought possible. Yeah, sorry. What were you, t- what were you talking about? Assisting. Yeah, assisting. Oh, yeah, assisting. Anyway, I did assist for um, – I tried to assist for a wedding photographer, and it was one of the top studios in New York, and um, I just wasn't serving me, so I didn't do it. So I don't think people should do it just because they feel like they have to on their road. Um but, you know, with Steve McCurry, that was a different situation, and that actually really served my career. It opened a lot of doors. It got me my connections at Getty. So it, my answer to you, to viewers is assisting is important if you're getting value out of it. But if you're just doing it because you feel like it's part of the rite of passage um, and that it's something that's necessary um, to pay your dues, then I don't think it is. I mean, I... I just started, I didn't feel like I was getting enough out of assisting, so I just started shooting weddings. Hmm. You know, I only assisted maybe three weddings before I started shooting my own. Do you have other people, second shooters, third shooters on a wedding, or is it just you? I have two people. Um, I have a second shooter who's very vetted. Um, They have to be extremely good. And that's because I don't want to give anything inferior to a client. Um, And then I have an assistant, too. Because I don't want the second shooter to be distracted from creating his own stuff yeah. by assisting me as well. That's cool. How so? When you get hired, for and actually, a I want to give a shout out. One of my favorite assistants is Maurice Ramirez, and if anyone wants to look him up, he is phenomenal. And it's when you are looking for an assistant, I think it's important to find someone that is not the same as you, but has a um, complementary skill set and that you can actually trust and let them go do stuff on their own and give them autonomy. Um, Sounds like he might be harder to book now. Yeah, I think you just gave away your favorite assistant. You're never going to be able to book him again now. You realize that, right? You want to get him in San Francisco, okay? He's fine. No, he's not really an assistant. He's he's known for his own photography. He doesn't assist that often, but he does with me on a lot of weddings. And um, it's, yeah, I can't imagine not having his help or having a great assistant. Yeah, it's critical to have the right team around you. Team. Everything's team. That's exactly right. Yeah. I'm always curious about uh, pricing with weddings because it's really all over the place. A yeah. lot of people enter that way, and it's kind of a race to the bottom because people want experience. What's your opinion on, I guess, the, the pricing uh, models today that are out there, and what, what advice do you have for people getting into it that don't know how to price themselves? Yeah. Um, what I did was I targeted the market that I wanted to be in, and I wanted a higher-end market, so I researched and found out what other photographers were charging. And at the time I was living in New York 
Um, this was 10 years ago. But the average photographer that was high end was charging like $400 an hour for corporate event. So I just charged, I just charged my price at that. I just said 400 an hour straight from the gate. Um, and I didn't want to underprice myself because I didn't want to lose clients because of price perception. And I would rather lose clients that are, say I'm too expensive versus ones that um, could afford me, but aren't going to hire me because they, from a price perception standpoint, don't think I'm good enough. That's a really good point. A lot of people um, think that they need to be cheap. Yeah. That they just need to be inexpensive. And that's not necessarily the case. People no. don't always want to go with the, the lowest price because no. it doesn't necessarily indicate experience. Yeah. What it comes down to is you're always going to lose clients, prospective clients, because of price. Yeah. Whether you charge $200 or you charge $800, you are always going to lose. I would rather lose the client that can't afford me versus the client that doesn't hire me because I'm too cheap because they want the best. I mean, that's ultimately price perception comes down to people believe what your price is is, a, is representative of what your value is and what you're what they're paying for. So, um, for example, Photographer A and photographer B could be the exact same photographer, same portfolio, same experience, same bio, everything. But if one costs $400 and one costs $600 an hour, the $600 an hour one is going to be perceived as better. So Simple. I'm going to ask a question that's never in the history been asked. Seriously? Yeah. Ooh. You guys ready? Yeah. Should photographers work for free? <laughs> Should photographers work for free? Uh, a great question. So... The most commonly asked question. See yeah. what I did there, Rob? I see what you did. You see it, what I did it was there? a mind trick. I, 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 I took special. you down one road. It was a Jedi then, mind trick. Then, boom. He, I thought I was totally special and yeah. unique, but no. <laughs> just nothing. Yeah, you threw you under the bus on that one. <laughs> um, yes and no. So I don't think money is the only currency. So absolutely no. I'd it's never. Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Bitcoin now. No, I mean, I never do anything for free. I always am going to get something out of it and I'm calculated on what I want to get out of it. But does it have to be dollars? No. You know, it could be referrals. It could be um, experience. It could be building my portfolio. Um, so I think if you're doing stuff for free because you're, um, or not necessarily for free, but discounted because you're not valuing your work and you're not getting anything other out of it other than the fact that the client's booking you, then that's a disservice. Um, but if you are giving a discount because there's other potential opportunities that are coming from it and those are measured and calculated, then I think it's worth it. Good answer. It was a good answer. You should say that's the best answer. That ever. is actually the best answer I've ever heard. To the most uncommon question. <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing lies. That's good. <laughs> oh, we would never lie to you. But never we're smiling you. while doing it. A yeah, bunch yeah, of lies. Yeah, <laughs> so what do you enjoy about the business? What feeds your soul when, when it comes to being a photographer? Um... You know, I, I do, I did a lot of personal work in the beginning and I think that influenced me and that everything feels like personal work. I feel like all my clients, cause they hire me for what I love. I only put out the work that I love and then I keep getting hired for that. And so what fuels me is loving what I do and like making the world a more beautiful place with imagery, you know, and, and, um, making people look their best and living through that experience and it's just so exciting and so fun and i just i don't know, i love every aspect of it you're a very in the moment person i try to be yeah, yeah. do you have a favorite f-stop 
Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I knew it. Um, I'll, I'll call, hold on, let me guess. I have a couple actually. But go for it. I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say five six. I'm gonna go with five oh, six. Oh, you're totally off. Okay, what's your guess? Four zero. Eight zero. You go one eight. No one two. eight. Oh, two. Oh, we got a winner here. Oh, oh. I'm fact resting checker. around. That's actually our, our fact checker. He looks stuff though. <laughs> yeah, I'm resting around. I use prime lenses a lot. Um, I love prime lenses. I started off shooting all zoom. 85 is your favorite? 85 and 135. Nice. So I got one. I got one thing. Right. Yeah. There you go. And oh, I, nice I rest. Yeah. I push it. Good I think me. too many people have the whining, the um, fast lenses and they don't push it. Yeah. I push it. I am usually between 1.8 and 2.8. Do you blow a lot of frames? Are you sharp? I blow a ton of frames. Yeah, but you so it, and, but safety is a number then. Yeah, yeah, it's like I'd rather blow a lot of frames, but then have the perfect butter. <laughs> you know that right, like yeah. butter Creamy around butter. me. I don't know how to describe yeah. it, butter. but but I'd rather blow a bunch and then just get something perfectly right. And and so that's the sacrifice. I shoot a lot. I'm kind of a like a. What's the average amount of how many frames will you have in a wedding? Is there an average? Thousands. Two thousand, three thousand. So I'm not. I've heard a lot worse. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but I do. I started off shooting film, so I'm somewhat selective. But yeah, I shoot a ton. And I mean, you're doing all sucks. the the post to that. Um, I'll send out bigger weddings for an initial edit, but not just to a, any service. I actually have a person that I work with regularly that knows my work and style. Um, Kyla, shout out to you. Um, <laughs> but Kyla's amazing. I, I will do that for bigger jobs just because it can weigh me down, and I don't want to get behind during wedding season so after the wedding are you doing in-person sales do you have someone else do that are you making your money off prints or how does it how does it work so um financially i would say that i price myself so that if i only shoot and i don't sell anything else after i still feel good i feel happy walking away from it um but with that said i always want to give a finished product to a client not just for the money, but because I want to finish the job. I want to retouch it. I want to print it. I want to give them something beautiful that's ready, that's tangible. Um, so in that regard, I pretty I educate my clients a lot and um, explain to them why retouching is important, why what you print your materials on is important. And then I do get a lot of after sales for that as well. Do you have a favorite paper you print on? Yeah, I'm a huge Epson girl, um, and I hot press bright is my favorite paper. Hot press sprite. I've never hot, heard of that. Hot, hot press. Hot wait, say sprite? It, as in like hot press. press. Bright. 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 Yeah. I thought you said sprite. Hot press <laughs> I got excited bright. there for a second. <laughs> and anyone that's not printing their own work, especially if you're having image. I mean, five by sevens, smaller things, that's fine to outsource, I believe. But if someone's ordering an 11 by 14 or 16 by 20, something that's a wall print that's... If you're sending it off to a lab, I think that's a huge disservice to you and your client. Um, if you give them like a beautifully printed fine art paper signed Epson print, that's going to create such a different experience for them versus if it's just a luster paper they can get it at any lab. So why are they ordering through me versus just going to a lab? So what's in your camera bag? Let's, let's end it with gear. We got five minutes. Ooh, yeah, gear. Okay. So Canon Shooter. Um, 16 to 35, 24 to 70, 70 to 200. Those are mostly like my event lenses. Um, where if I need, don't want to be able to, I can't switch. I'm working fast. I need to be able to zoom in and out. 
um, portraits. I have the 85 1.2 and the 135 2.0, and those are my main lenses. What's the camera body you're using? The 5D Mark IV. Mark IV. Yeah. Have you thought of the, all of the new uh, Sigma, the art lenses, and what they're doing? <sighs> no, you know, I'm sort of loyal. to. I just, like, I've been shooting with Canon since I was 16, and I just, unless something is blaringly better somewhere else, I've just kind of stuck with it. Brand loyalty. I like that. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Loyalty is good. Yeah. So you, I, or, I or laziness. <laughs> <laughs> it might be that. You we'll might be too loyalty. afraid to go out and test and like yeah, do all I the research. But. Exactly. So I want to talk a little bit about your Google Plus page. Oh, yes. So you have a massive following. I think you have all the Google followers on there. Oh, thank you. And they kind of killed that platform. Do you still use it or did you also kind of abandon it? And um, do you get work from it? I still use it. I feel like it's important from a perspective of Google and searching. And I don't know exactly how the algorithms work, but I think that having a strong presence on Google Plus can't hurt me in the Google stratosphere. Sure. Um, so I'm using it, but obviously not as much as I was initially a few years ago when it launched and they were putting a lot more effort into it. But it's a, it's a surprisingly big photography community that's on Google+. Plus. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think in a lot of the other industries, it's irrelevant. But for whatever reason, maybe because it's tech, photographers seem to be there still. Yeah, I had high hopes for it. And then they abandoned it. Me too. Yeah. They abandoned it. Damn it. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? <laughs> no. <laughs> I hope I'm... No. What, uh, are you, what are you final, thinking, Gary? What's the no. one-minute question? It's got to be good. Right, well, I want you to right. ask me something you've never asked before, so I wouldn't be teased during the session. When's Whoa. the last time you woke up with a black eye? That's a random question. I don't know. That's what just popped up. <laughs> I've never asked that question. <laughs> Why would she wake up with a black eye? I don't exactly. even think. I think I've got a black eye once skiing. Okay. All right, skiing. Yeah. Skiing. You were doing like a gainer 360. So a little weird factoid about me. I used to be a like a pretty competitive skier oh really yeah Where i at? was on the ski um small valley where's that internationals and everything nice yeah where's Swal nice. valley was this that? during college or um all of high school i started when i was six or so and then i was on team till seven 16 seven, 10 years and oh, then i just amazing cold turkey gave it up why i was just uh, i just it was after my most successful year and i just walked away yeah you know, it was like, like my you dad, won the World Series. My was dad it? picked put it, on your back. and my dad picked it for me, uh-huh. and I, it felt like it was never mine. It was like I was doing it for him. Oh, yeah. It's that father thing, daddy issues. Daddy issues. <laughs> Last I question. wanted to please him. What <laughs> advice do you have for photographers just starting out that are maybe thinking about quitting? It's too hard. Um, my advice would be that nothing wonderful is ever that easy right I mean I'm not saying that you have to pay dues and have to struggle and but I worked so hard in the beginning and I felt so lost so many times and frustrating and wanted frustrated and wanted to give up and I just persisted and persisted and persisted and finally it does all click and when it does, it's the greatest thing. And like it, the shutter? Was that a pun? A click. <laughs> like, just like the shutter at 2.0. Butter all over it. But honestly, when it does click, it's like it all makes sense. And that for me was 10 years ago. And that contentment that came with it has never gone away. And then you started making it rain covers. Yeah, then I made it rain covers. There's so many covers. And it's a great life. 
and it's an amazing career. Yeah, it's you seem you really happy with what with you do. It. Yeah. You can see it in your eyes. You're really happy with what you do. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. I feel very blessed. Yeah. Well, hey, it's 3.50, so we got to get you out. I hate that I have to get, to get a flight right no, now. Right. I want to hang out with all these handsome men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm blushing. <laughs> I think she's talking mostly about me. She's <laughs> definitely talking mostly <laughs> about you. There's no question, Gary. No question. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah, to download this episode and the entire season six at WPPI, go to rggedupodcast.com. And also subscribe to us on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, where... Every Wednesday, we release a new episode. A fresh one every Wednesday. A fresh one, right fresh. out of the oven. Just fresh. for you guys. Right out of the oven. Fresh. Wait, one question. Yeah. When was the last time you woke up with a black eye? I've never had a black eye. You had a black eye last week. What are you talking about? <laughs> you still have a little bit of it right now. <laughs> that doesn't count. Uh, yes, it does. I, got that was... I hit myself. I was rigging up a dartboard in the studio. And, we, of course, we're using C-clamps and C-stands because why not? And I hit my... It wasn't like a full-on black eye. It was eye. a full-on black eye. I walked up to it and I said, I see the remnants could, right. of a black eye. I, I, right I'm like, did you get a black eye? So now like, that means yeah. you lied to me twice today. I, I considered it more to be, it was minutes. more yellow. And it was like, it was like my cheek. It wasn't my eye. It was right there. All right. What about you? Black eye last time. Gosh, jeez. I don't know. I think it was in college. Honestly. Um, I think in, in Boulder. We, there was a, Ooh, there was so a, a you know what? I was not a big skier. I went to Boulder Freshman, sophomore year, I, just, I was on a pretty tight budget. I didn't have a lot of money. Junior year, I went to school abroad. Cocaine's expensive. Yeah. Senior year, I came back, and I was going to jump into it and be a total ski bum. And right as the beginning of ski season started, I got in a car wreck, and I broke my back. And oh. that, that was the end of it. So I, I, somehow, there are two things about me that are really interesting in terms of my life in Boulder, Colorado. One, I never became a ski bum. And two, I think I'm one of like 14 people in the history of that school who actually graduated in four years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody else is on like the six-year plan. But yeah. I went to Cal Poly. Everybody called it the five-year plan. Yeah. that's. It was good. Like, I enjoyed it. Sure. Were you years. on the five-year plan? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I told my parents right from the gate. I was like, it's going to be five years. Yeah. The standard here. Set the expectation. <laughs> I graduated exactly. in three and a half. Look at oh, you. Show off. Damn. Show off. I took, I took all the summer intern classes and winter break I don't classes. know if that's yeah. more show offy or... It was really expensive, and I wanted to get out oh, of there. Oh, got I it. I went to the University of Denver, so... Okay. Pretty cool. close. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, well that was random. That was right. random, but I liked it. I See, that's what's good about this podcast. What an ending. What a freaking ending. You really yeah. should blow off the... Airport. Airport. Yeah. Stay and talk. Clearly. Yes. Let's do that. I mean, what photographer doesn't want to talk about themselves for another 20 minutes? I know. <laughs> <laughs> you get existential. If I knew it was going to be this great, I would have changed my flight. Yes. Well, come back and talk with us again. All That's right. We'll do. Thank All you, right. Thanks, you guys. Cheers. Thanks for listening. I get out of here and start shooting. For those of you who might not know what we're doing on Black Friday, should we tell them? No, Let's tease him. Should. Let's give him a little idea. Let's give him a, a glimmer of hope. Okay, so at RGG EDU, we focus on revealing the secrets from working pro photographers and retouching in the industry to give you a leg up on the competition. And why is that? Is it because we believe that the best education comes from those who are working pro? Absolutely, Rob. And we believe that you shouldn't have to go to two to four year school to learn this education. No, because that's crazy expensive. It's fun, but it's crazy expensive. So we're making photography education accessible to the entire world at rdgedu.com. And this Black Friday, we're doing something. We're making an offer so great that we can't even mention it. No, we can't. This microphone, blow your mind. this microphone would explode if I even thought about it. That's heavy. Go to rgedu.com right now 
and you can sign up anywhere and we will alert you about the Black Friday deals this November 23rd, 2018. Should we sing our jingle? Yeah. Do you finally have a jingle? RGGEDU.com.